It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you very much for joining me. I received numerous comments after last week's show on this R3 program, and I will dive more into it in the future. But basically what I heard from a number of you is along the lines of nobody asked me. That being nobody asked me how we accommodate more hunters on less habitat with less things to hunt. So I'm going to leave it there, but it was interesting to me that I received notes from a, from a number of you about it. And pretty much in unanimity, either you didn't know about it or if you did know about it, you, uh, you felt as though no one had ever sought your opinion. One thing on which a lot of people are seeking opinion on is the NRA, the National Rifle Association. And I, I have avoided this topic uh, because I, I kind of didn't know where things were going to go. Uh, it seems pretty clear now that the NRA is in really serious trouble and that their ability to do, forget the Second Amendment things the NRA has done for so long, but their ability to work as an organization that furthers hunting, furthers sportsmanship, furthers conservation. They, they for a long time, have been one of the leading advocates of hunter training and providing opportunities for hunters. Um, I am very concerned, as I think we all should be, uh, the NRA uh, should not be, is not going to be able to carry out its mission, at least in the foreseeable future, as It is going to spend its time and energy and treasure fighting all these lawsuits that are being filed. And there was a recap recently under the headline, NRA Legal Disasters. And I read this and I thought, how is it possible, given this background, that the board of directors has just agreed to extend Wayne LaPierre's contract? and? How is the NRA going to get itself out of this mess? And maybe the conclusion we have is the NRA is not going to get out of this mess. And in fact, the NRA, as we know it, might well cease to exist. And if that happens, what's going to happen to all the programs the NRA delivers? And these are programs well beyond its work on the Second Amendment. These are all the education and sporting programs that it's done so well for so long. Uh, the NRA is going to be hemorrhaging financial support as corporations and individuals back away until all this settles. And as a result, I think there's just an enormous void. But let me just read a couple things. The NRA agreed to pay $2.5 million um, and not to sell insurance in New York for the next five years. And by the way, all these funds that the NRA is spending, they primarily are coming from individuals like you and me who may have donated to the NRA. The NRA lost its civil um, rights lawsuit against New York officials. 
It had claimed that, that New York officials and the attorney general were, were claiming selective enforcement and had a political agenda and that they were interfering with NRA's banking relationships. Uh, the NRA lost that. Uh, the lawsuit to stop the New York attorney general from uh, getting the advertising agency, uh, Ackerman McQueen's records, uh, they lost that. Um, they lost the lawsuit over Chris Cox's severance agreement. Severance agreement. Chris, Chris Cox is a longtime leader in the NRA who, when this whole thing broke, uh, left. And 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 yet the NRA tried to engage him when he had nothing to do with the, with what we're finding out has been taking place, at least allegedly. And I underline the word allegedly taking place at the NRA. Uh, they went after him. Uh, doesn't look like they're going to succeed there. Um, they, uh, <laughs> the NRA attempted to turn all the lawsuits into one federal multi-district uh, litigation. Um, nope, they lost that one as well. Then, as you may recall, uh, not too long ago, the NRA tried to file for bankruptcy. Uh, the NRA's got a lot of money. It lost that as well. Um, and actually, it was beyond losing that. That attempt to file for bankruptcy by the NRA uh, embarrassed the organization badly as a public relations disaster. Uh, they're not bankrupt, and they lost that. Um, and then um, the NRA uh, has been trying to get, first of all, it tried to get itself moved to, as an organization, it tried to move to Texas, uh, where they thought the laws would be more friendly, and they lost that. So. One after another, excuse me, one after another, the NRA is finding that it is losing time and time again in court. But beyond court, the NRA is losing in the court of public opinion, which is what it has to have more than anything. And having been around the shooting sports, hunting industry for all of my adult life, it seems to me that a vacuum is is in front of us and that some bright people will figure out a way to champion the shooting sports and champion the things the NRA did so well without having the baggage of the NRA and that perhaps the NRA's troubles which are only going to going to take more time and center front page news um are really going to just simply enable some creative individuals to take the place of the NRA. And how do you take the place of an organization that arguably until a couple of years ago was thought to be the single most powerful lobbying force in, in all of Washington, DC. And the NRA uh, had for years a pretty darn good track record of, of political victories when it backed people or decided that candidates were actually uh, not in favor of the things the NRA believed in. But the NRA, I, be, I think, is possibly so badly wounded that uh, it's not going to recover. But moreover, I don't think that those individuals who love to hunt, who love the shooting sports, um, and frankly, who believe in the Second Amendment, are going to stand by and wait to see what happens with the NRA. Rather, I think they're going to step up and and move forward with an agenda 
and hope the NRA is successful in, in solving, fighting all these lawsuits that are coming its way uh, because they've been supporters of the NRA, I'm sure. But I would offer that time does not stand still and the outdoor industry is not going to stand and wait to see, can the NRA survive? Will it be dissolved? And by the time all that happens, it's quite possible the NRA will be completely irrelevant. Um, that's my guess. How does the most po- one of the most powerful organizations, arguably the most powerful lobby in America, go from two years ago, the top of the hill, to being irrelevant? Well, all you have to do is read all the things the NRA is charged with allegedly doing, and it doesn't take very long for an organization that is based upon the support of millions of people, and those millions of people are reading these headlines, and they're not going to send the checks, and the shooting sports industry is not going to send the checks. And the next thing you know, the, the pipeline of cash that feeds the NRA is, is going to become restricted. It already has, and lawsuits are going to take a huge amount of their money. And I don't, I don't really see um, the NRA supporters standing up for that. We'll see what happens, but my guess is sooner than later, we're going to find that there's some alternatives to the NRA. And while I'm sure many people involved wish the NRA all the best, its future is, is really, really cloudy. And that today is not good for the future of the shooting sports in America and all the things the NRA has done outside of its Second Amendment strategy, which most people are aware with, aware of. But the NRA's done a lot of good for the shooting sports industry and hunting and hunter education, and all that appears to be in jeopardy. I'll be back in just a moment with much more in the great outdoors. And when I do, I'm going to talk about some reports that we're getting uh, from Canada, uh, some, from individuals who've been up there for years, and uh, those reports are, uh, are somewhat troubling. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. I hope you're enjoying the show this morning. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Earlier this summer, I said that the state of Louisiana was likely to try to file legislation in Washington, D.C. to have the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, which was signed way back in 1916, 
uh, by the United States and Canada be amended. The Migratory Bird Treaty Act closed uh, waterfowl hunting, only to be opened on an annual basis by both countries' uh, secretaries of interior or their equivalent. Uh, and it's been that way since 1916. And one of the things that occurred was that it set a framework that said a season cannot for migratory birds cannot start before September 1st or run past January 31st without exception being given by both countries to that. So the state of Louisiana has petitioned now uh, and they're drafting legislation to have the waterfowl season extended till March 31st. Um, I'm assuming that this is going to go nowhere, but it is a real shame that the delegation from Louisiana seems to care so little about biology and so much about political gain that they would actually try to pass legislation that would be the largest amendment to the Migratory Bird Treaty Act in its history. Um, as I said, I don't think they're going to succeed, but that the fact that we're going to spend time on this is is just preposterous when we have all these other issues that are taking place. Uh, and the reason that we don't want any hunting to go beyond January 31st for migratory birds is because by then the birds are pairing up and they're beginning to move back north and they're actually on their spring migration, their northward migration. The only exception to this has been in recent years snow geese, which have population levels that are higher than, than anything in recorded history, anything we've known and believe has ever happened. And they are eating themselves out of house and home on the prairies on their way to the Arctic. And when they get to the Arctic, they, uh, the breeding grounds on the Arctic, the snow geese are colony nesters and they, um, they nest in, in colonies and they denude absolutely remove all the vegetation and then they move a few miles the next year and they do it again and they've now moved several hundred miles north and west from their traditional breeding grounds because they have absolutely wiped out the traditional breeding grounds that we knew 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Um, and eventually, who knows what that eventuality will be, snow geese will face an absolute population collapse because they will, won't have any breeding grounds. So that's why there was an amendment to the Migratory Bird Treaty Act a few years ago to create a spring hunting season for snow geese to try to reduce their population. Uh, it's largely been unsuccessful, but never since 1916 has there been a discussion, if any seriousness, of having the duck season in America extend beyond January 31st. And now Louisiana is, is asking for that. Uh, let's hope they do not succeed. And, and, and speaking of why they might not succeed, the reports coming out of Prairie Canada, uh, we knew the drought was very severe. Perhaps we did not know just how severe. There were no surveys this summer because, again, COVID was shut down. The, the ability to do the surveys, uh, the pilots couldn't fly and they couldn't do the transect. And you couldn't go back and forth across the border. However, there now have been enough American hunters on the prairies this fall, hunters who've been going 30, 40, some of them 50 years, and their reports are pretty universal. They have never 
seen such widespread drought. And certainly in the Dakotas, we already know in North Dakota, where they did do a survey, that the, the number of wetland basins in North Dakota were 80% below normal. So eight and 10 wetland basins this past summer were dry. This is a, this is a very, very uh, serious situation. Uh, we're facing the, the potential of a drought that actually is worse than the drought of the 1980s, the mid-80s, which was just devastating to all kinds of bird populations that depend on the prairies. And over 60% of, of North America's birds at one time or another actually utilized the prairies during their annual life cycle. So this is, this is not good news. We need to have, and there's nothing we can do about it, drought cycles are, are absolutely normal. They've been going on since the beginning of time. It happens to be that we haven't had a severe drought on the breeding grounds of the prairies since 1993 when the last drought ended. That's the longest time in recorded history since we began tracking life on the prairies over 100 years ago that we have not had a widespread drought. So we're long overdue. However, the severity of the drought that is taking place across the prairies, the United States and Canada, right now is is one that could be for the record books. And um, we'll have to see what happens this winter and spring. But those are the reports coming out of Canada. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back next week with much more on the great outdoors. And when I do, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the work of Pheasants Forever, which is doing some pretty incredible things. And also we will, uh, I'm going to talk about technology and public lands and some of the things that are available this fall for those of you who may be going out into the woods or marshes across America. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.